Isn't it awesome to worship God? Isn't that, wasn't it awesome just to be together worshiping this morning? It was awesome. Thank you, worship team. Uh, I love the, the freedom that comes when we choose to praise. Right? It lifts the burden. It's so powerful to be here and to worship together. So uh, just thank you for, for taking time this morning to, to choose to praise, like we talked about. So uh, one of the greatest guitars in the whole world is a Martin guitar. And they're actually just made down the road in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Have anybody, have you been to the Martin Guitar Factory? Pretty awesome place to go hang out for a day. Well, it was just last summer I decided to make the pilgrimage, so to speak, and to tour the factory to see how some of the most phenomenal guitars in the entire world are made. And uh, it was an incredible experience. You know, Martin started back in 1833. It's called C.F. Martin and Company, also known as Martin Guitar. And it was founded by Charles Frederick Martin Sr. And it has been continuously family-owned and operated for six generations. Isn't that pretty amazing? Still in the family to this day. And if you walk around the factory floor... You, you begin to see the craftsmanship that goes into every single guitar that's made. Just, just being there, just seeing it, and, and seeing these beautiful guitars. I mean, it makes you want to play or wish you could play, you know? And, and at the very end of the tour, they have a room. It's called the Pickin' Parlor, and they have these high-end Martin guitars. You can pick them up and hold them and play them. I mean, it's, it is an amazing experience. You gotta go. But the shock of the entire tour is when we found out when that C.F. Martin, today, they, all their names are C.F. So this is Chris Martin. He's the CEO today. The shock of the entire tour came when we found out he doesn't play the guitar. Can you believe that? He's been around guitars his entire life. He's in the factory that makes some of the most beautiful guitars the world has ever seen. He knows everything there is to know about the guitar, and he doesn't play. Like, how is that possible, right? And I just think as, you know, we've been on this journey. We finished our sixth week, this journey of tour called the Tangible Kingdom. And I just think it would be a terrible, terrible thing to take everything we've learned and to just leave it on the factory floor. I want to learn how to play. I don't want to just know about God's kingdom. I want to play kingdom. I want to get out there and play. And I know you do too. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Week seven. We're talking about what does it mean to become an apprentice of Jesus. And I really like this word apprentice. And I think it fits for where we're going. I think this idea of apprenticeship is going to help us to go where we need to go as a church. What's an apprentice? I love this simple definition. An apprentice is someone who doesn't know learning from someone who does. Pretty basic definition of an apprentice. An apprentice is someone who doesn't know who's learning from somebody who does. Uh, my whole life, I saw my dad go to work with a uh, tool belt, boots. He had the uh, igloo, you know what I'm talking about, the hard hat, blue-collar guy, right? 
He did sheet metal his entire life. And he started out as an apprentice. And an apprenticeship is, is a learning experience. And it's usually some combination of hands-on training with a little bit of classroom learning with it. And, and that's how he started out. And I think this idea of apprentice is a great image for us as Christians. It's who we are as followers of Jesus. We're apprentices of Jesus. The Greek word for disciple is methetes, and it means a student or a learner. Everybody say learner. Learner. Methetes, disciple, a learner, and it carries this idea of apprenticeship. And if you look at the disciples, the actual disciples in the New Testament, this is exactly what they're doing, isn't it? They're with Jesus. They're learning from him. There's some teaching. There's some hands-on. And then Jesus would send them out and say, go do what I've been teaching you to do. I love it. It's a great word, apprentice. It's someone who doesn't know learning from someone who does. And Jesus came, he brought the kingdom, he brought life in God, and you just go, you know what, I don't know what that's all about. I don't know how to live in the kingdom, but I know someone who does, and I can learn from him. And so, I think where we're going, I think this word apprentice is a great word, uh, because it's all about becoming an apprentice of Jesus, which is knowing and doing, right? It's not just knowing, that's not apprenticeship. That's, that's going to class. It's knowing and doing. It's head and hands. We're putting into practice the things that Jesus has taught us. That's how we move forward. You think about Chris Martin. Now he knows everything there is to know about a guitar, and yet he doesn't know the one thing you do with a guitar, and that's to play it. And so being a Christian, it's not just about knowing a few things. Not just about checking a box. Oh, I'm in. It's not just, oh, tangible kingdom did that. You move on. No, no, no. Being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, a learner of Jesus, is about a lifetime of learning from Jesus. And it's about taking that posture of humility and saying, I don't know how to have a life in God, but I can learn from someone who does. So I want to take you to a passage today that's going to help us with this. It's Matthew 10, 24 and 25. It's just two verses. I'll put it up on the screen for you. And we're going to look at this verse throughout this morning. Jesus is going to define for us what it means to be his apprentice. And um, this is what it says. And the context is, is just great. You can read all of Matthew 10. Jesus is actually sending his disciples out to preach the gospel. He's saying, you've heard it, now go do it. And as he's sending them out, and as he's giving them instructions, this is what he says to his followers. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. It's how we become an apprentice of Jesus. It's right there. And I just want to encourage you to lock this in. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It's right here, right? We lock it in. I'm the student. He's the teacher. I'm the servant. He's the master. And it is enough for me to be like Jesus. So I want you to think about your own life today. 
Are you an apprentice of Jesus? Are you learning from him? Is it becoming real in your life? What would it look like for you today to say, you know what? I don't have this all figured out. I don't know everything there is to know about a relationship with God, but I can learn from Jesus. I can learn from somebody who does know. That's apprenticeship to Jesus. It's how we make it real. So let's pray. We're going to dive in. We're going to look at this passage. We're going to look at what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. So God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for each person that's here. What a wonderful, powerful, powerful thing it is to worship you. We're just reminded that the worship doesn't end when the song ends. Lord, we're here to worship you. We're here to learn from you. And to humble ourselves and to say, we don't have it all figured out. Help us, Lord, to make this real. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what's an apprentice? How do you become an apprentice of Jesus? The very first thing I see is, I'm the student and he's the teacher. I'm the student, he's the teacher. Any of you have a favorite teacher growing up? I had a lot of great teachers. Uh, My wife's a teacher, so I'm going to say she's my favorite (laughs) teacher, just to get that out there. See, I've been been married 20 years. I know what this is about. (laughs) Uh, I had a a lot of favorite teachers. I was just thinking of a few of them this week. One of my favorite teachers was uh, Mrs. Langford, which we both had in 11th grade for U.S. History. And uh, she, was, she was a very dynamic teacher. It was always exciting to be in her class. And as she was teaching us U.S. history, she would give us songs. You know, like, John Brown, John Brown, John Brown. I don't know much about John Brown, but I can sing that song to this day. It's very engaging. You know, I still know it. Uh, but she liked to carry a wooden yardstick around during class, and she would gesture with this wooden yardstick, and she loved to catch me not paying attention because she would take the yardstick and smack my desk, and she'd yell, Brian! So I was always on my game, you know, a few times of that, and you're like, okay, I'm paying attention in this class. But she was a great teacher, and we've all had those amazing teachers in our life. But you really won't find a better teacher than Jesus. I mean, you think about Jesus. You think about how he taught us, the the things that are still with us. There isn't even a better teacher in this world than Jesus. Mark 12, 14, um, some people are talking about Jesus. Um, They come to him and they say, teacher. And and I found this really interesting because I, I did a quick search Um, through the Gospels, how many times people call Jesus teacher. And it's a lot. People are always coming up to Jesus saying teacher. The disciples would say teacher. Jesus was a teacher. And and what what they say to him and and what he taught about is, is right here in the verse. It says, we know that you are true and truly teach the way of God. So what is Jesus teaching? He came to teach us how to have a life in God. He came to teach us the way of God. And the way he did it was so powerful. You think about it. Some of the parables, you know, the parable of um, the, the uh, I was 
In my head, I'm thinking Good Samaritan, but it's the, the prodigal son. You guys know that parable? The father and the two sons, and the one son runs off with his money and lives a wild life, and the father's just waiting there for his son to return. And when he does, he gives him a huge hug. You know, you guys think about it. Like, I know some of us have been in the church a long time, but before Jesus, that story didn't exist. Have you ever thought about that? All these stories that we're so familiar with, it blows my mind to think about all, the, all these amazing things that Jesus taught. And before him, they weren't, there was no, there was no parable, parable of the prodigal son before Jesus. He spoke that. And, uh, you know, Charles Dickens once said that the parable of the prodigal son is the finest short story ever written. That's who Jesus was. I think some of the power of Jesus' teaching is its stickiness. It sticks with you. It's simple. It's easy to understand. Think about Jesus teaching about serving. And what does he do? He gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. It's an unforgettable picture. Or, or a few weeks ago, we saw how there was a woman caught, caught in adultery. And Jesus, it blows my mind. He thought to say this. He, he goes, let whoever is without sin, let them cast the first stone. And you even hear this in our culture, casting stones. And that goes back to Jesus. Or faith like a mustard seed. Jesus was a master at creating these sticky ideas. They've stuck with us. They've stood the test of time. And they stick with you. They change you. Like any good teacher, people were constantly asking Jesus questions. Questions like, what must I do to be saved? What's the greatest commandment? Should I pay my taxes? It's in there. And then sometimes Jesus would flip it around and he'd ask the powerful question. Who do you say I am? He did a whole series on the powerful questions. But people were constantly coming to Jesus because they wanted to learn. Because he was a teacher. And there are really two things that, that Jesus taught. There are two things that people came to Jesus for. And I, I want to put it up on the screen. Just a very simple graphic. People came to Jesus for two things. They came to Jesus for truth about God and truth about us. And that's what you get with Jesus. You don't find this in a lot of places, but you can find it with Jesus. Truth about God and truth about us. We know you're true and you truly teach the way of God. And here's what's amazing. You can just leave that up for a second. You don't have to be a Christian to learn from Jesus. Ever think about that? You know, oh, Brian, you know, I don't know about all this. Is it true? Is it not? I'm pretty sure there's no Iron Man, but you watched an Avengers movie. You don't have to believe it's true to read it. But you do have to read it to experience its power. And you owe it to yourself. Even if you're here, you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here, you owe it to yourself to spend some time in the teachings of Jesus. Jesus so influenced our world. You really do owe it to yourself to open up, a, open up the book. But for those of you who, here, who are followers of Jesus, and there's many of us, how do you follow Jesus if you're not learning from him? How do you follow Jesus if you're not reading his words? And I want to challenge you today and I want to encourage you to open up the Bible for yourself and to begin to read and learn 
from the teachings of Jesus. It is so powerful. And if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to be in God's word, learning from Jesus. I love this verse in Matthew 10. It says, a student is not above his teacher. And I think that's a powerful statement. A student's not above his teacher. What's that saying? It's saying, I'm not above learning from Jesus. And by the way, you're not above learning from Jesus either. A student, a disciple, is not above his teacher. That's why we go to church on Sunday mornings. It's why we study our Bible. It's why we're in community learning together and we're encouraging one another to live this out. Because we're not above learning from Jesus. A student is not above his teacher. And Jesus actually would say in, in the book of John, he said, if you continue in my word, you truly are my disciple. Think about that. How do I know if I'm a disciple of Jesus? And Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you truly are my disciple. And so what would it look like for you to just go, I'm a learner. I don't have it all figured out. I'm an apprentice. I'm here to learn from Jesus. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to open up his word and I'm going to begin to learn from him. And Jesus says, if you do that, you're truly my disciple. You're truly an apprentice of mine. That's what it means to be an apprentice. Just to go, I have it all figured out, but I want to learn from Jesus. A student is not above his teacher. And then Jesus goes on and he says, second thing about being an apprentice. He says, a servant is not above the master. I'm the servant, he's the master. And so we're not just learning for the the sake of learning, we're learning for the sake of serving. Right? We're not just learning for the sake of learning, we're learning for the sake of serving. And that's what it means to be an apprentice. You're not just learning for the sake of learning, you're learning for the sake of serving or working. I was talking to Dom this week about being an apprentice. Um, Dom's been an awesome mentor of mine. And um, for many years, if you know his story, he worked in tool and die. And the way he started was, back as a 19-year-old, he took an apprenticeship. And so I was asking, what was it like to be an apprentice? And he told me a great story about how he met the master mechanic. And the master mechanic, you know, he's 19 years old. The master mechanic looks at him and says, put your hand in my pocket. And he humbled him. And he, he strolled him around the place with his hand in his pocket. You go, what's that about? Put your hand in my pocket. Humbled him, right? Put your hand in my pocket. What does that mean? It means you're nothing. <laughs> you're here to serve. I'm the master. The servant's not above his master. Put your hand in my pocket. And as Dom tells the story, he did. He served, he learned, and he eventually became a leader in the company because of the way he served people. It's what it means to be an apprentice. Put your hand in the pocket of Jesus and learn how to serve. You have one job as an apprentice. Serve. I love how Jesus puts that in in Matthew 10.24, 10.24, Jesus says, a servant is not above his master. We're not above serving, are we? Yeah. A servant is not above his master. And by the way, our master was an incredible servant, wasn't he? The way he served. Philippians 2. 
Encouragement for us. Paul says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Listen to this. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Wow. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's how Jesus served us. He was an incredible servant. And so Jesus is saying... To all of us, we're not above that. A servant is not above his master. We're not above serving. We put our hand in the pocket of Jesus and we learn how to serve. We humble ourselves. Hugh Halter says it this way in our workbook, The Tangible Kingdom Primer. I love this. The disciples of Jesus were being trained by living example. And that's what we have in the Gospels. We have a living example of someone who loved us and served us, which is Jesus. And then this is important, because this is apprenticeship right here. And they were being trained in action, not just theory. It's not just about theory. Jesus trained us in action, not just theory. I think some Christians live a lot of their lives in theory. And it's Bible, Bible, Bible. You go from one study to the next. And I would just ask, when was the last time you served someone? You can get spiritually constipated. You're not allowing what God put in you to get out of you. You look more like the Pharisees, right? Always grumpy. Rather than looking like Jesus. Jesus has given us a living example. And it's not just theory, it's action. And sometimes when we, all we do is live in theory, it starts to look more like the Pharisees than we do Jesus. And so I just ask you today, when was the last time you served someone? You humbled yourself? You loved someone the way Jesus loved you? It's apprenticeship to Jesus. It's selfless, right? It can feel like hard work, low pay. You ever felt like that in your relationship with Jesus? Hard work, low pay? Yeah. It's apprenticeship. We're not doing it for ourselves, are we? We're doing it for our master. For Jesus. And that's being an apprentice. So two things. What does it mean to be an apprentice? Student. I'm the student. He's the teacher. I'm the servant. He's the master. And I love it. It's enough for me to be like him. Isn't that powerful? It is enough. It's enough for me to be like Jesus. Wow. It's the very next thing he says in verse 25. It's this. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. I love those words when he says, it is enough. And it's not like it is enough, like it's a settling, like, oh, It's enough. No, no, no. It's like, man, it's enough. It's enough. There's nothing better in life. There's nothing more important in life. There's nothing more beautiful in life than than that my heart 
would be changed by Jesus Christ, that I would understand what God can do in my life. It is enough for me to be like Jesus. He's the teacher. I'm the student. He's the master. I'm the servant. And it is enough for me to be like Jesus. It's enough that we do that. It's the heart of a Christian. It's the heart of an apprentice of Jesus. And that's our desire in every area of our life. Oh, it is enough for me to be like Jesus in my workplace. It is enough for me to be like Jesus in my school. That's enough for me. It is enough for me to be like Jesus as a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, a a grandparent. It is enough to be like Jesus. It's the passion behind this. But I just want to ask, have you ever tried to be like Jesus? I was thinking about that. How'd that go? Tell you what, it's not easy to try to be like Jesus, is it? It's hard sometimes. Talked about guitars a minute ago. Let's switch to violins. In the 1700s, there was an Italian craftsman named Antonio Stradivari who made the finest violins ever made. The sound of these violins are just so beautiful. And today they're priceless. There's only 500 of these violins around today. The last one sold at auction for $3.6 million. You know, $3.6 million. I think I could find a violin that kind of sounds like a Strad. Strad, Stradivari. But guess what? You can't. They have never been able to reproduce the sound of a Stradivari violin. It's not like they haven't tried. It's crazy. I was looking online. The, the scientific experiments they're doing on these violins, testing the chemistry of the wood. Oh, how much of the fungus was there in 1700s in this wood? Can we reproduce that? Can we measure it down to the micrometer? Can we do some frequency tests? And they've done all that, and they still can't reproduce the sound. Isn't that crazy? We try to be like Jesus, but we find ourselves falling short time and time again. As hard as we try, we just can't do it. And I just want to tell you today that that's what the cross is all about. That's what the gospel, the good news is all about. Is that Jesus came and he came to do something for you that you could never do on your own. While you were a sinner and while I was a sinner, Jesus lived the life I never could have lived. He died the death that I should have died. And he rose from the dead to create a change in my life that I could never accomplish on my own strength. And that's the radical grace of God that's in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, right? So how do we live that out? And the simple answer is we do exactly what Jesus is talking about. We humble ourselves. And the secret of it all, my friends, is simply to trust Jesus. I'm the student. He's my teacher. I'm the servant. He's the master. Trust him. Trust him for your life. 
not just your afterlife. Trust him for your now, for your present. Because that's what an apprenticeship is, isn't it? It's trusting. I trust you. See, Stradivari never wrote down how he made his violins. But what he did do is he passed on his learning to a handful of apprentices. And the apprentices of the great Stradivari never read a book or a manual. But they learned from him through what one scholar called elbow learning. They sat at the elbows of Stradivari. They felt the wood as he felt it. The length, the balance, the timber. And all that learning happened right at the elbows. All the knowledge was contained in the fingertips. What is, it, what is an apprentice of Jesus? It's somebody who's with Jesus. Who's learning from Jesus. Not just in the head, in the hands, in the fingertips. As we trust him, show me, Jesus, how to have a life in God. I, I don't know, but I want to learn from you. I love this definition of an apprentice of Jesus. An apprentice of Jesus. We can put that up on the screen. A Christian, an apprentice of Jesus, is someone who is learning how to live life from Jesus. The only way to do that is to trust him. Trust him. That's how you become an apprentice of Jesus. And in all this we say, a student is not above his teacher, A servant is not above his master. It is enough for me to be like Jesus. And so today we celebrate Jesus through communion. We remember him. It's a powerful moment. And the way that Paul encourages us in the New Testament is he encourages us. Whenever we come to the table to examine our own lives, And I want to ask you today to examine your life. Are you an apprentice of Jesus? Are you learning from him? Are you taking that posture of humility? Got uh, the scripture from 1 Corinthians 11, 28. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat the bread and drink the cup. It's great encouragement. Just take a moment and to examine our lives. Later on, Paul will say, examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. And I would just encourage you today, maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not ready for this. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. And you can just let the bread and cup pass you by. Say, I want to wait for that day where this means something for me. And that's okay. But for those of us who are here and we are followers of Jesus, this is a moment now to sit with Jesus Say, teach me, Jesus, what it means to be a follower of yours. Show me where I've not got, quite got it right. Help me to become more like your son. And to help us out, um, I wanted to take us to our action step for the week. Each week in the Tangible Kingdom, as we're going through this, this adventure, this course, um, each week in our workbook we have an action step. Week seven, the action step is actually to do this, to look at our life. How are we doing? So let's go ahead and um, put the questions up. I want to leave this up as we take communion.
Number one, we want to remember Jesus. We want to spend time with him. I think it's a great time to ask ourselves some of these questions. and To start the process. I'm just going, Jesus, how am I doing? What can I learn from you today? Here's the instructions. It says, this is a good time to talk to God about your hopes and his hopes for your growth. Uh, thank him for your grace. Thank him for his grace with your failures. We all fail. We can thank him for his grace. But even more, thank him for the hope he gives you for the future. And that hope is found in him and his death and resurrection. And the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you is helping you to become more like his son. Spend some time in prayer expressing your thoughts and feelings to God. I think that would be a good idea for us to do that today as we take communion. So I want to invite the ushers to come forward. And um, we're going to hand out the, the bread and the juice. Please hold on to that. Take a moment to be with Jesus. To meet with him. Let him speak into your life right now. And then hold on to that. We'll take it all together at the end. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your death and resurrection. And today we surrender our lives to you. Your will, your way, your kingdom, not ours. Let your glory be seen in us and in our world today. We remember you. Jesus' name.